Welcome to Riverbridge Church. My name is Matt. Uh, so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time uh, because you're kind of, hey, it's a new year, new start. Um, so glad that you're here checking out River Ridge. Um, glad to have you. Hope you'll come back and kind of see what we're like uh, on a regular basis and what God might do in your life here because we really do want to help you to take the next step in your journey with God, whatever that might be. If you're watching online, uh, welcome online. Hope to see you in person next Sunday on the 9th. So this morning, um, it is the first Sunday of the new year, and so I got to thinking about New Year stuff, and a friend of mine's Instagram post, like she had a succession on her story of uh, like New Year's 2022 memes, and a couple of them caught my eye, and so I thought I would share a few of these with you. I think if Ben's got them back there. So here's the first one, is the moment you realize that 2022 can pr- be pronounced 2020. Two. You see, like, 2020 was not great, and here we are in 2022, and is it going to be a, a remake of 2020? Who knows? Um, here's the next one I found this pretty funny. It says, nobody claim 2022 as your year. We're all going to walk real slow, be good, quiet, cautious, and respectful. Don't touch anything. So, um, and then the, the last one is this. Before I agree to 2022, I want to read the terms and conditions. So, that is certainly how I feel walking into 2022. I'm not sure what to expect, um, so I'm kind of keeping my options open, I suppose, on what it's going to look like. Uh, but here's what I do know, is that as we walk into 2022, uh, we walk in together and we walk in with Jesus uh, by our side. And if that's the case, then really it's going to be a fine year. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time um, together this morning uh, of worship, of looking into your word, of beginning anew. Um, And God, I I just, I thank you for the opportunities that we have ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, uh, we are beginning a new sermon series. And as you can see from the bumper video, it's called Four Reasons. Uh, And basically, here's what this series is about. I'm going to give you a really broad overview of this series. But over the course of this series, we're going to ask the why behind the what. Because I think in in life, there's a lot of things that we know what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. But sometimes we don't ever take that step back and say, why am I supposed to do that? And so sometimes we'll go through things and we'll just go, go, go and do what we're supposed to do, but not really give any thought to it, and we keep going, and that's probably a good thing many times. Other times, we are on our path doing something, and then we stop doing whatever it is, and to stop doing it is is not really a big deal. But other times, when we're heading towards something, we're doing a what, we're doing something, and we stop doing that because we don't really know why we're doing it, it can have fairly major repercussions, right? Now, let me kind of dial it down a little bit for you. So, New Year's uh, is a time when a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. Just curious, how many of you have made a New Year's resolution or two? Okay, how many of you are like, never do I ever make resolutions? How many of you are afraid to raise your hand? Okay, good. So, New Year's resolutions, I was doing a little research uh, online, and it was interesting, as you look at New Year's resolutions year by year by year, they pretty much don't change in terms of the New Year's resolutions that people make. So here's the top five New Year's resolutions. The first one is exercise more. Second one is lose weight. 
Third one is save money. Fourth one is eat healthier. And the fifth one is get organized. And, you know, and maybe as you think about New Year's resolutions, that you've got something on that list, uh, or maybe you think of something else. But by and by, most years, those are the top five New Year's resolutions. But as we look at this question of four reasons, and asking what is the why behind the what, a New Year's resolution is a really good example of that. And this is not going to be a New Year's resolution sermon series, but because it's New Year's, we're kind of thinking about it. It helps us to maybe understand this concept a little bit. So let's suppose that your New Year's resolution was, I want to lose weight, right? Whatever, I want to lose weight, 15 pounds, 10 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever. I want to lose weight. You would have, and you have a why behind that what? I want to lose 15 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever. I want to lose this because of this reason, right? Now, the reason is going to affect whether you stick with that goal or not. So if you're like, I want to lose some weight so that I look good in a bathing suit come summer, well, in the middle of January and February, when we're all wearing baggy clothes and sweats, it's not going to be much of a motivation for you, right? It may last, but it probably won't. But if you say, hey, the reason I want to lose weight is because my doctor said, if I don't lose weight, it's going to cause major heart issues in my body, and so I need to lose weight for that reason, and your doctor said so, that's, going, that's a much bigger or weightier reason to follow through on the what. And so as you think about your own walk with Christ, you think, well, what are the things that I do, and why do I do some of those things? Now, sometimes we need to kind of lower the bar for ourselves. And so I also came up with five New Year's resolutions. And these are basically to help you feel better about yourself. Lower the bar, right? Number one, watch more dog videos. That's pretty easy. Buy bigger clothes so that I feel thinner. That's one of my little tricks of the trade. Just need a real easy one. Don't eat yellow snow. I can, I can be 100% on that one. Uh, be late more often. And then the last one is... Break my New Year's resolution quicker this year than I did last year. Like, that's a pretty good resolution there. So if you're just looking to lower the bar. Now, back to our series. So what we're going to do is over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about a different thing that you know, I'm going to say probably 95% of us know 75% of these things. I'll put it in a little percentage. But we're going to talk about things that are not going to be the first time you've heard of them. We're talking about prayer. It's a good thing to pray. We're going to talk about reading the Bible. We're going to talk about giving money. We're going to talk about these things. And I don't think on any particular week you're going to walk in and go, I had no idea that we were supposed to pray. Really, that's just brand new news to me. That's not going to be a revelational thought to any of us. Now, we'll give you a little bit of a how to it, but we're going to talk about the why behind some of these what's that many of us have heard for as much as the time that we've been in church. But this morning, as we start this series of asking the why behind the what, I want to lay a foundation. And this foundation is really going to run through all five weeks of this sermon. We're going to talk about it today, but this is going to be foundational for the next four weeks and the reasons behind the different things that we're going to talk about. And here's the foundation, is it's the idea this morning of keeping first things first. 
keep first things first. And in our context, when we're talking about faith, we're talking about keeping Jesus first, keeping my relationship with Jesus first in my life. And that lays a foundation for everything else that we do. Now, when we talk about this phrase, keep Jesus first, or keeping first things first, it's interesting because it's both a why and it's a what. What do I want to do? I want to keep Jesus first, right? But also it's part of the why of some of the things that we're going to talk about over the coming weeks. Here's where this phrase comes from. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. As we look at this passage, the first phrase there, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And as we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, we think about Jesus and talk about what are the things, the kingdom of God are those things that are kind of what God wants, what will be true in heaven, what God wants to be true here on earth. That's the kingdom of of God. And so what that means for us is we want to keep first things first when it comes to Jesus, is that we want to value the things that Jesus values. Those things that are important to Jesus, we want those to be important to us. You know, so when it comes to people, for example, Jesus values people because of who they are, not because of what they can do for him, not because of some great talent, not because of some skill, but Jesus values people for who they are. And so for us to seek first his kingdom means that we seek to value people for who they are, not what they can do for us, not because of their skills or talent and so forth. That gives you kind of an example. But there's the other side of that, <clears throat> excuse me, as well, is that we value what Jesus values, but the other side of that is that our hearts, we want our hearts to break for those things that break Jesus' heart. There's things that break his heart, and we want our hearts to break for the things that grieve Jesus' heart as well. That's part of all part of seeking first his kingdom. And then the next little phrase is, and his righteousness. And what that means is that we live righteously before God and also before men in the way that we conduct our lives, the way that we live, the way that we speak, the way that we do our lives, our actions. And then there's this word, and it's the second word, it says, but seek. And I think that's important to know and to understand how this fits in because we will not be perfect in living out his kingdom on earth. We will not be perfect in living righteously. And so it's a constant seeking after. I will seek after righteousness. I know I won't attain it, but I'm going to seek after it. I'm going to seek after living in the way that he would live in terms of his kingdom. I know I'm not going to attain it fully, but I'm going to keep seeking after. I'm going to keep pursuing it. And then the end of the, uh, this, the verse says, and all these things will be added to you, right? So if you're a good Bible student, you would say, well, it says all these things. What does these refer to? Well, if you go back and read about the six or eight verses before this, Jesus gives some things that are the needs of the people, right? And it's just a sampling of what are some of the needs that we encounter. So he talks about, uh, am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have enough to drink? Am I going to have clothes to wear? Those are a sampling of the things that are the needs in our lives. And we could certainly expand that because it's not an exhaustive list. You know, we have a need to be loved. 
We have a need to connect with people. We have a need to have significance and security in our lives. We have a need to have a roof over our heads. Jesus is saying those things are important, but it doesn't start with those things. It starts with seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so if we're to keep Jesus first, first things first, he is the first priority in our lives. And then we ask the question, well, what is 2, 3, 4, 5? What is 2 through 10, 2 through 12? What are the next 3, 5, 10, 15 priorities in our lives? That's a great question. And that's the thing. When we have Jesus first in our lives, then he answers that question for us, not us. Then we say, okay, Jesus first, what's second? And then we allow Jesus to order the priorities in our lives after that. Now, as we do that, one of the things that I think will happen if we're serious about putting first things first, putting Jesus first, is we will realize that some of the things that we thought were needs are actually wants, and they go lower on that priority list. But that's part of the process of seeking to put Jesus first. So, we're going to do something a little bit different uh, for the rest of the message this morning. We're not going to do this every week, just this week, but I want to do something a little bit different because it's first Sunday of the year and just kind of want to shake it up a little bit. And so what I've done is I've asked, uh, well, I actually asked four people, but one of them was quarantined. So now I've asked three people. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I've asked three people, uh, and then I'll kind of fill in as the fourth reason. Um, but I've asked them each to share what is the reason that you keep first things first? Or what is the reason that you seek Jesus first? And then kind of how does that look like? What does that look like in your life? Okay, so uh, our first person is Shelby Truman. So let's give a warm welcome for Shelby Truman, who is not just speaking this morning, but she's also in the National Guard. I got... Hi? Hi? Okay. Um, So when Matt asked me to speak on this, first things first, Obviously, God is first, first things first. Um, And the natural thing for me to think is next is people. Um, Love God, love people. And I'm the worst about New Year's resolutions. And so I try to keep the same one every year, and it's love God, love people. Um, For me, what that looks like is relationships and friendships. And those are really the things that keep me going. Um, So the verse that I picked is, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. As you are already doing. Um, so what that means for me is I focus a lot of my time in student ministry and young life and stuff like that, and building those relationships are what keep me going. Um, more than that are my friendships. Like Dylan is working in the booth right now. But those friendships are what keep me going and keep me closer to Jesus. Um, in my life, I've handpicked the people that I feel like bring me closer to God um, and make it easier to get closer to God. Um, They are a nice little push. They're a nice little pull into God. And when I don't want to go, they really do push and pull me. Um, So for me, putting first things first is putting Jesus first and then putting those people that also put Jesus first first. Um, That looks like being with my friends all the time and using those relationships to help me in ministry and to help me love people more. Um, Like Matt said, God loves these people, so we should love these people too. So my main thing is that love God, love people, 
and just like encourage those relationships in your life. All right, uh, so next up we have Alex McMillan. Uh, come on up here, and uh, so Alex is going to share a little bit, sort of a really funny story before Alex comes up. I'm um, just going to an extra moment, but uh, I first met Alex when, you can stand out in the light here, um, but I first met Alex when he was like in third or fourth grade at Piedmont Elementary, and I was volunteering, mentoring kids that they wanted mentored, and so, I don't know, it looks like he's turned out pretty well. <laughs> More to your parents than to me, but anyway, let's welcome Alex. Hello. Hi. My name is Alex, and I put Jesus first because I know that the plans that he has for me are so much better, so much bigger, so much brighter than the plans that I have for myself. And when I think about this, I am led to John 4, 46. If you want to turn there, you can. Uh, the teaching begins with a government official, and he has a problem. His son is very ill. He's on the brink of death. He has a problem, and the father knows, this government official knows that Jesus is the solution. And when he hears that Jesus is in town, he goes to him, and he has this plan. He's going to go to Jesus, and he's going to ask him to come to his house and heal his son. So when he goes to Jesus, that's what he does. He says, sir, please come to my house, heal my son. He's on the verge of death. And Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And then this is verse 49. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. He's begging Jesus. And then Jesus says something, and it's up behind me. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. I want to pause for a second so we can think about that. This is not the government official's plan. This contradicts it. And so in this moment, the father has really two options. He can tell Jesus, wait, 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 no. You're not listening to me, Jesus. You're not listening. I need you to come with me and heal my son. Or he can say, okay, I trust you. The words that you're saying to me are true. And the Bible tells us that he does. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He chose to trust Jesus that the plan that he has is better. And as he's on the road, his servant comes running on the road, telling him the good news that his son is getting better, that he's recovering. He's no longer on the brink of death. And as they're talking more about this miracle, they realize that the moment that Jesus said, your son will live, he was getting better. He was recovering. And I don't know what would have happened if Jesus had chose to go with the official's plan and to go to his house. But I do know that because of this miracle, both the official and his family believed. I know that Jesus' plan is better because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen how today where I am is better than what I had planned for me last year. I've seen it in my own life. How do you, how do you get there? What does that mean? For me, it was saying yes one time. Yes, Lord. 
I will try and live life your way. And then the next time, it was, yes, Lord, I will give my time to you. I will volunteer. The time after that, it was, yes, Lord, I will give you my money so I could give to the church. How do you do that? How do you go from clutching so hard to the plans that you have, like I did, to letting go of the wheel and saying, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me, but I love it. I cannot wait for it. You could begin today, right now, and ask him, Lord, what do you have for me today? Lord, what are your plans for me today? And then tomorrow you can wake up and say, Lord, what do you have for me this week? What are your plans for me this week? And then, Lord, what are your plans for me this month and this year and on and on? And before you know it, your hands are off the wheel. And before you know it, you can't wait for the plans that he has for you. And at that point, he's already first, and you don't even know because of those little steps. And it goes and it goes and it goes. That's what happened to me, and you can have it too. You can have that peace. That's why I put Jesus first. All right. Thanks, Alex. And so last but not least, Betsy Shock. And Betsy, not to put any pressure on you, but I was thinking, like, you add up their ages, and it doesn't equal your age or my age. <laughs> so... So bring the, uh, bring the wisdom. <laughs> Good morning. Um, okay, so when Matt asked me to do this, um, so first of all, New Year's resolutions. I don't do a New Year's resolution, but I do choose a word of the year. And I have for the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. So when Matt asked me about this, I was like, you know, God had just been impressing on my heart the last couple of weeks what my word of 2022 was going to be. And so that's, I'm going to share that with you, and that's how I put Jesus first. So I'm going to give a short little story before I tell you a little bit about my word of putting Jesus first. Um, back in, you know, COVID year, um, God showed all of us lots of things. And one of the things that God showed me during COVID and quarantine was I love to walk. I love to walk. I love to run. I, and if you walked with me, like you see me around here, I walk fast, right? You're constantly seeing me like, like, I feel like hustle is my middle name. Like I just do that really fast. And one of the things um, that we would do in, in 2020 with my kids was we would take a walk every day, right? Because we were all stuck at home. And we would have the dogs and we would walk. And I was always about the distance between Matt and I in front of my kids. And at one point, they looked at me, and they were like, you're not, like, we're supposed to be walking together. And you are not fun to walk with because you are always so far ahead of us, and you can't listen to our stories, and we're trying to tell you something, and you're just like, boom, 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 right? And um, so anyway, that's, that's where I'm putting Jesus first right now because that really, that really stood out to me. And the thing is, is we know that Jesus grew up in Nazareth in Galilee, and he walked everywhere he went. It's strictly based on the accounts in the gospel. It said in the three years of Jesus' ministry, he walked 3,000 miles or more. And how I keep Jesus first in my life is remembering how Jesus walked 
and that he wants me to walk with him. He simply walked. And as he walked, he loved and pursued people. He talked. He taught. He listened. He longed for and he invited others to follow him. And as others walked with him, they gave their lives away to gain them. And we each have that invitation to walk with him. There were his words of invitation to follow in Matthew 4, 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. So I hear Jesus say to me, Come, follow me, Betsy. I know your driven spirit that wants to forge ahead with all of your ideas and all your plans. I know you want to make the path. You want to create it in front. And you want to decide what's good. And then you look back at me and say, hey, that's right, Jesus. But no, I'm with you. Please follow me. Ask me. Don't ask me if it's right ahead of me. Follow me. I'm with you wherever you go. I will never leave you or forsake you. You can trust me to lead you. Another example of Jesus walking that I look at to put him first is we each have that promise that he walks with us through the storms and he gives us the courage to do the impossible. Jesus did the impossible by walking on the water. In Matthew 14, 25 to 30, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But then he saw the wind around him. He was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And I hear him say to me, Betsy, come. I can and will help you face any and every difficult situation in your life. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it seems impossible. But don't fear. Take courage. Focus on me, not the wind or the raging waters around you that threaten to consume you. You will not sink. I have you. Come to me. For when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And then another invitation of walking. So we each have that promise that when we choose to walk hand in hand with him, we have rest for our souls. And I think this is one of Jesus' most beautiful invitations. In his words, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle 
and humble in heart, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We know that a yoke is a wooden beam between a pair of oxen to enable them to pull together on a load when they work in pairs. And that's what Jesus wants, to be yoked to me, to be yoked to you. He wants to be right beside me. He wants to be right beside you. And we feel, we may, we may feel our burdens are heavy, and indeed they are. But we know that when we choose to take up the yoke with Jesus, we can have rest in our souls. So he invites me and he invites all of us to put him first in our lives by following him. When we do this, we can get through the impossible and challenging things in our lives as long as we have faith in him to know that he is right there holding our hands. And it is a daily choice for sure. And it is for me. I got to wake up in the morning and say, just like I put on my shoes, I'm going to yoke with Jesus today. And then once we do that, once I do that, I choose to walk with him, not running ahead. I put him first, putting his yoke upon me. When we all do that, we have peace and joy on this earth until one day we're spending eternity with him. So let's walk with Jesus and put that yoke on. Thanks, y'all, for sharing. Um, I want to share one more reason to keep Jesus first, and it comes, um, it's really going to be preparing our hearts for communion. Um, You know, as you know about the life of Jesus, you know, each of these folks talked about something that Jesus did in their lives and how they walked and daily and so forth. Um, And so Jesus lived this perfect life, um, but then he was arrested he was tried, he was beaten, and then he was crucified. And on the cross, uh, it's recorded that he said a, a few things, seven different things as we read the Gospels. But there's one um, thing that Jesus said that I want us to highlight this morning as we think about the reason to keep first things first. It says this, this is John chapter 19. It says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He gave those words. He said, it is finished. And when he said those words, it was the fact that what he came to earth to do was finished. He came to earth to die on the cross for our sins. And so all of our sins, your sins, my sins, all of our sins, past, present, in future, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins.